Well, good morning, Grace Point. How are you today? Good. Hey, turn and look at the person next to you and repeat after me. Good morning. Good looking. I think too many of you are laughing. That's not very kind. If you're joining us online, just want to say welcome. My name is Jim Walden. For almost a year now, I've had the privilege of being your Connections Pastor here at Grace Point. And I was so thrilled a few months ago when Tim, our lead pastor, said, are you available to preach on May 7th? So here we are. Yes, I broke my finger playing ball this week. On Wednesday, had surgery on Thursday. So glad, though, that I can be up here. So I guess I can make one good point today. I guess that's what it'll be. Hey, would you grab the seatbelt that's in your chair and buckle up? Here we go. I'm going to throw a lot of stuff at you quickly today, but I'm so glad that you're here. And I want to talk to you today about good news. Are you sick of all the bad news? And you know, the church has the good news of Jesus Christ, and we've got to share it together. And what I want to share today has to do with the theme of a word you're going to hear a lot this morning called oikos. Oikos. If you would, grab your Bible and turn This is me. the part of our service Whoop. where we worship God through giving of our... Did I hit, I hit the wrong button? There we go. Grab your Bible or your tablet or phone, if you would, and turn to Mark chapter 5. We're going to look closely just at one passage today. Mark chapter 5. And I want you to remember, those of you that have been a part of the church, before Jesus went into heaven, he said to his disciples, I'm going to give you a great commission. And it is to go into all the world. As you're going, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and don't forget I'm with you forever. So we are to make disciples of all nations, right? But I saw online this past week, have you heard this? The world population is now over 8 billion. Isn't that amazing? Well, how are we supposed to make disciples of 8 billion people? Well, Mark 5, look in your Bible. We're going to get there in a second. But I want to give you two key words to keep on the forefront of your mind as we go through the message today. Mention one already called oikos. And the second thing I want you to think about with me is three Chris's that I'll introduce you to in a little bit. So the church is to make disciples, but it's easy to drift or to lose sight of what we're supposed to be about, isn't it? We can all get into ruts and wind up doing things we're not supposed to do, and we might lose sight. I remember a few years ago when I was 40, yes, that was a joke, I was preaching over in Kansas City, and one Sunday morning, I hadn't seen my wife yet. She'll be here at the next service. But that Sunday before I started preaching, I just looked out and saw her, and I said, hey, folks, before I begin, I just want to look at you, and I said to my wife, hey, doll, you look gorgeous. And everybody went, aw, isn't that nice? So I kept preaching, and halfway through the sermon, I'm looking at my notes in the Bible text, and it's all blurry and fuzzy. And I stopped in the middle of the sermon, and I said, I think I need glasses. Well, I got home from church that week and walked into the house. I looked at my wife, and I said, I think I really just insulted you today. She goes, why is that? I said, I told you how gorgeous you look, and then admit I need glasses. You know, sometimes we can lose our sight of what Jesus has called the church to do, and that is to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And I asked you if you're tired of bad news, let me give you a little bit more bad news. Do you know that today in America, only 20% of people will go to worship? Only two out of 10. 
Only two out of 10 will darken the doorway of a church today. How are we going to make disciples if people aren't showing up? Well, here's the good news. Jesus didn't say, as you're gathering, go make disciples. He said, as you're going. And here's the good news. Monday to Saturday, Grace Point's going to be out in the world. 100% of the people are going to experience church this week. It's just not in here. It's going to be as we are going. And what I really want to credit today is Tom Mercer, who's a pastor in Southern California, a dear, dear guy I love so much. And he wrote a book years ago called 8 to 15, The World is Smaller Than You Think. And he helped really solidify this concept of oikos that I grew up with. Now, how are we going to reach people? Well, go with me in your Bible, if you will, to Mark chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 2. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 2. Jesus has just miraculously calmed a storm. And in Mark 5, verse 2, he says, When he got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs, and nobody could bind him anymore, not even with chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. What's this code for in the Bible? This is code for everybody in the area had given up on this guy. Everybody except Jesus. And he comes running towards Jesus and Jesus soon finds out that he's filled with demons. Look at me at verse 9. Jesus asked him, what's your name? And he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Verse 11. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And if you don't know, it's the worst case of suicide ever. Sorry. Sorry. Move along with me, though, later in the story up to verses 18 and 19. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed and healed begged to go with Jesus. Everybody had given up on this guy except Jesus, right? And Jesus heals him. He's a new man. And now he wants to go with Jesus, wouldn't you? The great preacher A.W. Tozer used to say, when we read the Bible, we need to use holy imagination. Just imagine for a moment what this might have been like. Maybe the guy said something like this to Jesus. Jesus, let me go with you. Imagine we can set up a big stage like this. We can get a worship team up here to get people fired up with songs. Then I'll give my testimony of what you did for me, and then you can preach. Think of the masses of people we can talk to. But what happens? Go with me to verse 19 of Mark 5. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people. Friends, when he says go home, that's the Greek word oikos. Whenever you read through the New Testament, when you see home or household, it's some form or another of the word oikos, which we'll talk about in a moment. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Tom Mercer, in his book, 8 to 15, The World is Smaller Than You Think, talks about your oikos, and here's where you're filling the blank. Grab your outline. I want to show you several things today. An oikos was an extended household. 
Mercer says it's eight to 15 people the Lord has strategically and supernaturally placed into your life. Back in biblical times when Jesus was around, the house was really an extended household. Multiple generations lived in a house. There were also day workers. There were also slaves. There were servants. There were merchants who would bring and deliver things. Uh, There were folks they'd rub elbows with every day. And everybody has an oikos. And Jesus says to him, you go back to your oikos and you tell them how the Lord has had mercy on you and what he's done for you. Let's just do a quick little survey. Would you mind, if you don't mind right now, raise your hand if you would say you've given your life to Jesus Christ. Let me see your hands. Raise them up nice and high. Okay, put them down for a moment. Now tell me with a raise of hand, if you had somebody in your world, a grandmother, a mom, an uncle, a friend, a cousin, a pastor, somebody really impacted you to come to Christ. Let me see your hands. Yeah, look at the hands all over. Do you know when we do this survey around the country, we find out that 95% of people come to Jesus Christ because of someone already in their world. And there are eight to 15 roughly people in your world right now that don't walk with Jesus and they don't go to church, but 100% of them are gonna come in contact with you this week because the church, Grace Point, is gonna be out around the greater Topeka area And God has put us into their world. Let me tell you a couple stories. This started in my life when I was age eight. I noticed it in something my mom experienced. When I was eight years old, we lived in central Ohio, out in a rural area, and we lived on one lone street in the midst of cornfields that went uphill. There were probably 25 houses on this one solitary street, and it was a tight-knit neighborhood. As a matter of fact, when a new family would move in, The tradition was the ladies of the neighborhood would bake a plate of cookies and take them to the new folks. New family moved in up the street from us. My mom made a plate of cookies, and as she starts out the driveway, expecting to turn left and go up to the new neighbors, she sensed the Lord say to her, turn right and go see Teddy. Right away, my mom said, Teddy? Who was Teddy? Teddy was the crazy woman of the neighborhood. Teddy's house was the first house on the right. It was dilapidated, gutters hanging down, lawn never mowed, needed painting. The the smell of cat urine and cigarettes came from it all the time. She was known as Crazy Teddy. Her house is so spooky, I'm not kidding. Even at Halloween, the kids wouldn't even go to her house. She was known as the lunatic on the street. My mom is walking towards Teddy's house when she goes, I don't even know Teddy. And the Lord said, go see her. She walked up to the front door knocked on the door, and the door swung open, and there was crazy Teddy, her eyes wide open, curlers in her hair. She's in a bathrobe. In one hand, she has a lit cigarette, and the other, a pair of sewing shears. She opens the door. She grabs my mom's wrist, pulls her into the house, screaming, God sent you, and she shut the door. My mom thought, that's the last my family will ever hear of me. My mom came in and and put the plate of cookies down and sat on the couch and Teddy said, are those cookies for me? My mom wasn't going to tell her no. (laughs) As my mom put down her purse, out fell this little booklet. Campus Crusade used to put these out years ago called The Four Spiritual Laws. Teddy picked it up from the floor. Mom still hasn't said anything. Teddy said, can I read this? Mom wasn't going to tell her no. She opened it and says, just as there are physical laws that govern a physical universe, 
So there are spiritual laws that govern our spiritual life. Law number one, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Teddy looked at my mom and said, Barbara, is that true? She turned the page and said, law number two, we have sinned against God and our sin has separated us from a relationship eternally with a holy God. She said, I know that's true. She turned to page three, lawn number three. God loves you so much he sent his son Jesus from heaven to earth to die on a cross to pay for the penalty of your sin and to rise from the dead to prove he defeated sin. Lawn number four. She turned the book and it says, if you want to turn from your sin, you can receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. And there was a prayer there. She said, Barbara, can I pray this prayer? My mom wasn't going to say no. And Teddy bowed her head and started reading the prayer. Mom closed one eye but kept the other one on the sewing shears, literally. And Teddy said, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you. But I want to believe by faith that you came from heaven and earth to earth to die for my sin and rise again. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Come live in me and help me live a life to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. My mom looked up and Teddy had tears streaming down her face. She said, oh, Barbara, is it true? My mom left the house and walked up the street wondering if all this was real. When dad got home, my dad also was a pastor. She told him the story. My mom said, John, do you really think she's transformed? And my dad said, we're gonna trust God's word. Ladies in the neighborhood began to minister to Teddy. They helped her clean up her house and got rid of the cat smell and mowed the yard. And she got involved in a Bible study, started going back to church. She became a powerful witness for Jesus Christ. Years ago, she had been a classically trained musician by the American Guild of Organists, and she played all around the country. But one night, she was driving her car on the icy roads of Ohio, and it went out of control and teetered on a cliff for a half hour. And she wondered if she lived or died. She said she went nuts, gave herself to drinking and smoking and just turned on everything. But God turned her into a mighty witness for Jesus Christ. I want to tell you about three more quick stories about three Chris's. When I uh, started a church years ago in Kansas City, I pastored it for 19 years. And not long after starting it, a, a lady came uh, uh, into the office one day and she said, Jim, you remember me? I said, yeah, you're part of another church. She said, well, um, I want to know if I can come to your church. I said, well, I don't want your church to think we're stealing people from them. She said, oh, no, my husband won't go to that church, but I know you like to play golf. And he likes to play golf, and you're kind of odd, and so is he. So maybe you can relate. I'm like, that's a compliment in there somewhere. I said, sure. So it's Sunday. Chris and Brenda came in, sat in the front row, and he sat there with his arms crossed. And every time I said something he didn't like, he'd sigh. He'd go, <sighs> Monday morning, she called me. I said, oh, hi, Brenda. Thanks for coming. She said, I'm so sorry. I said, what's wrong? She goes, he sighed 19 times. <laughs> I said, you counted? He said, yeah. They came back the next Sunday. He sat there, crossed his arms and sighed. Monday morning, no kidding, she called again. I'm so sorry, he sighed 20 times. I go, it's okay, he's here. Came the next Sunday, sighed again, and invited him to go golfing. So we started to golf together. Every Monday, I'd get a sigh report. Later that week, I'd go golfing with him. I'd say, 
Chris, I'm just so glad you come to church. He goes, well, you know, I don't necessarily agree with everything you say. I go, that's great, man. The Lord loves you. I just want you to learn about him. She called me one Monday. She goes, I got great news. I go, what's that? She goes, we're into single digit sighing. He only sighed eight times. I'm like, progress. The Sunday finally came. He quit sighing. We're out on the golf course one week, and he, he looks at me and he goes, you know, some of the things you're saying are really making sense. I wanted to go. <sighs> <laughs> Weeks later, he gives his life to Jesus Christ, and we baptize him. His family gets transferred to Louisville, Kentucky because of his job. Today, he's an elder in the church teaching other people about Jesus Christ. Second, Chris. His last name was French, lived right next to us in Kansas City. I'm, 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 like I said, I'm odd. And, and when I mow, I like to mow cross cut so it looks really sharp, you know. My neighbor, Chris French, never mowed his yard. It bugged me. I judgmentally mow my yard. Why aren't you mowing your yard? One day I'm out there mowing, the Lord says, why don't you mow his yard? I said to the Lord, that's called trespassing. Oh, it says, mow his yard. So I mowed his yard. No sooner I get done, he pulls up in his car and he gets out. He goes, you mowed my yard? I said, yeah, is that okay? He goes, I have such bad allergies, I can't stand to do it. I said, happy to. Next week, I'm out there mowing again. The Lord goes, do it again. I mowed it again. He comes out in the porch. You're mowing my yard again? I said, are you arresting me? He said, no, man, thanks. The whole summer, I just thought, I'm gonna love him and mow his yard. All summer mowed his yard. Winter came, we quit mowing, but our church had a, a dinner theater musical production. And I invited his family to come to our church. They came, sat through the production. At the end, I talked about knowing Jesus Christ, trusting Jesus, watching him take your sin away and giving you life eternal. When that service was over, man, they hit that door. That family took off out of there like they were on fire. And for months, he avoided me. So the next summer, I just... Again, started mowing his yard. Chris avoided me. Every once in a while, I would say hello, but avoided me. No movement. Third summer, I mowed his yard a third summer. Nothing. I mowed his yard a fourth summer. Nothing. I mowed his yard a fifth summer. Avoided me. Finally came over one day, and he said, hey, thanks for mowing my yard all these years, but we bought a new house across town, so we're leaving. I said, well, God bless you, man. And they left. For years, didn't hear a thing. A few years later, my wife and I sell our house and bought a newer house across town. How many of you remember days before the cell phone? Remember we had answering machines? I come in the house one day, nine years after mowing Chris's yard. Deanna goes, I think there's a message for you on the answering machine. I hit it. I hear his voice say, hey, Jim, this is Chris French, your former neighbor. Do you remember me? I'm standing there thinking, Dude, I mowed your yard for five years. How am I going to forget you, right? Because you give me a call, so I called him on his number. He goes, remember my wife, Darla? I said, yeah. She said, He's, she's contracted brain cancer. We just don't know where to turn. Are you still pastoring that church? I said, yeah. What time is your service? I told him. They showed up Sunday morning. She's sitting there with a bandana because she lost her hair due to chemo. Before I preached, I said, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but some of you know I have friends, former neighbors, and Darla's contracted brain cancer. Church, I just think we ought to pray for her. Would you help me? People got up out of their seats. We just stood around her and prayed, tears streaming down her face. That week, they invited me to their house, and I shared with them 
the message of Jesus Christ that they can trust him no matter what. And she gives her life to Jesus. And so does Chris. Nine years. Just in my oil cost. Chris, number three, loved to play basketball. And uh, at a YMCA where I played over there, I played ball with another guy named Chris. And one day he says to me, hey, you know, my daughter Lisa's the gal that sits up front that checks you into the Y. And she wants to get married. Would you marry her? I said, no, nah, I'm already married. <laughs> but I said, I'll, I'll do their ceremony. So I meet with her and her fiance. And I said, hey, why don't you come to worship while you're going through premarital counseling with me? And I said, I love your dad. Uh, bring your mom and dad to church. So Chris and Lenita, the mom and dad, start coming to church. Chris sits in there Sunday after Sunday just listening, a real deep thinker. One day on a Thursday before ball, we're lacing up our basketball shoes, and he says, hey, I've been listening to you, and, and I got a pretty big question. I'm thinking, I hope it's not a tough one. He says, if a guy's going to follow Jesus Christ, does he have to understand it all? I go, no way, man. No, he goes, okay. Next week, we're lacing up our sneakers. I got another question for you. I said, what's that? He said, if, if a guy's going to start reading the Bible again, should he just start in Genesis and plow through? I said, well, do you know where the book of John is in the Bible? He says, yeah. I said, why don't you just start reading John because Jesus will tell you about himself. Make notes. A couple weeks later, he says, hey, can we just sit and have a Coke or a Pepsi after we play ball? I said, sure. So he went to a Wendy's and sat down. And I can tell he's trying to work something out. So I said to him, hey, Chris, let me ask you a question. If you found yourself by what the world called dead by midnight tonight, and you found yourself standing outside of heaven's gate, and somebody inside says, why should we let you in? What would you say? And he thought for the longest time, and finally I said, just, if you don't mind, share with me your thoughts. And he said, well, in the past I would have said, I hope that my Good works outweigh my bad works, so I get in. I said, but what would you say now that you've been listening to the word of God? He said, you're telling me that I've been given a free pass? I said, based on what Jesus did on the cross for you? He said, yep. I said, it's clicking. Weeks later, he gave his life to Christ. And I baptized he and his wife in a lake up there. And now he works at a large church. He's a, he's a weekly professional in the finance field, but he's, he's a servant at a large church in the Kansas City area, impacting so many people. As a matter of fact, I want you to meet him. Chris is right here. Chris, would you come on up? I want you to hear from him for a second. Wow. All right. So I got to listen to that for... A bunch of years, right? <laughs> and they left us and went to California. Uh, so glad he's back. You guys are so lucky to have him here. Uh, um, we, pl we played basketball together. And when he said I was a deep thinker, I think he really meant dense, right? Because I'd sit there and listen to it and I'd watch it. The thing, I, the thing about Jim was I, I watched his example. He was, a, uh, he was a Christian in a group of guys that <laughs> would not be considered a Christian group. Uh, 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 during on a Thursday morning, the guys that played were uh, business people that get away, uh, pastors who don't have anything to do except on Sunday, and uh, <laughs> and drug dealers, 
Right, those ones that get loose on Thursday morning. So it was a tough group. I was the toughest because I was a disgruntled Catholic, and so I was the toughest one to talk to. But uh, uh, it took me a while, and I got to know him really well, and then he tricked me into coming with my daughter. And I walked in, and oh my goodness, I grew up Catholic, right? And so I walked in, and everybody was standing and clapping and music and stuff, and I'm like, ooh, this is weird, you know? <laughs> but it wasn't all bad. And there were some really good people there, and I got to know them, and I got to feel that community again. But I wasn't saved. I didn't know what that meant. But they, but they got me tricked into coming to church, right? And so here I am sitting in church listening to Jim get up and talk, and all of a sudden, boom, it hit me, you know? So, so, so I was a part of Jim's oikos. I, he called it his basketball ministry, right? And so he got, he, it, it, so, so we were talking, and we talked about uh, how, do you, how do you determine this oikos, Okay, so we got a game we're going to play, and uh, it's called the two-minute game. So you got your thing? You got your little thing here? So pull it up. It says two-minute game, maybe. There we go. Yeah, about that. Two-minute game. And uh, uh, so uh, everybody's got to have a pen. Okay, this really is a game. Okay, I love exercises to give you something to do, right? So two-minute game. So up here on the top left-hand side, we're going to write the word family. Okay? So write the word family. And what we're going to do is we're going to take two. Uh, we're going to take 30 seconds in each in each spot. So it'll be two minutes. 30 seconds. We're going to write down everybody that you know in your family. Just first names only. Ready, set, go. Okay. So write down. This would be spouse, kids, aunts, uncles, cousins. You know lots of folks, right? So in your family, write everybody's name down. Still got 10 seconds. Keep writing. It's going to be people in your family, people you care about, people you grew up with. Ready, set, stop. Okay, and then, and then over here on the other side, on the top side, write BBQ. Here we are in the Midwest. Everybody knows BBQ, right? Barbecue. You're going to throw a barbecue. I'm going to pay for the food. I'm going to set it all up for you. All you got to do is invite people. Who are you going to invite to the barbecue? Ready, set, go. Okay. So, so you got to invite your neighbors, people on the left side of you, people on the right side of you, people across the street. You'll probably be in the backyard, so get that neighbor across the backyard from you, right? Anybody that you go out and uh, have gone out to eat with or go to the movies with or something like that, you want to make sure that they're there. Only five seconds. Make sure you get everybody's name down. Don't want to miss anybody. It's going to be a blast. Okay, Stop. Okay, co-workers, we spend a lot of our time at work all week long. We're running around work. We run into people all the time. So why don't you put all your co-workers down, ready, set, go. 30 seconds. People work in your department. People work out of your department. People you work for, people work for you. People supply your business. You may have changed jobs. You may have had another job at some point in time in your life, right? Don't forget those people, Right? First names only, but get them all down. It's important. It's real important that you get all the names down. All the coworkers, race up, stop. Okay, over here on the bottom right-hand side, we're going to put ACQ, because you're probably like me. You can't spell acquaintances either. Okay, so these are acquaintances. So ready, set, go. This is going to be people you play basketball with, right? This is going to be people that you golf with, which... I don't cough, so that doesn't count for me. But bowling, uh, uh, 
people that uh, people you go to church with. There's an easy one. Look to the left of you. Look to the right of you. Who's sitting in front of you? All your acquaintances, all the different hobbies, all the different things that you might do. Be sure and put everybody's name down. You got four, three, two, one. Stop. Okay, so here's the fun part of this, right? So what I want you to do is I want you to take a look at that list, right? You're going to have all these names on this list. Anybody got 20? A lot of people probably got at least 20, right? So you got all these names on your list, right? What I want you to do is I want you to go through and I want you to put a cross in front of the names of the people that you know are saved. Now here's what I mean. Here's, be careful, be careful, right? I don't mean all the people you know that go to church. But all the people you know that are saved. And how do you know that? You've talked to them. You've heard their testimony. And you believe them and you know that they're going to be with you in heaven. Right? Put, their name, put a cross in front of their names. Okay? And I say you've got to talk to them because, hey, look, you, you know, everybody's got ESPN on cable at home, but you don't have ESP, right? So you've got to talk to them. You've got to hear. What a great exercise to walk around hearing testimonies all day, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? So, okay, so cross in front. Then draw a line through the names of the people that you want to uh, burn in eternity for hell. Burn hell for eternity, <laughs> right? Right? I'm watching, right? We've got pastors all over the place. Right? So if, you, if I see too much line drawn, we're going to have a talk, right? Okay. So that leaves a whole bunch of other people that don't have a cross and aren't crossed out. Right? That's your oikos. That's your folks. Right? Those are the people that you need to talk to. What do I mean by talk to? Jim didn't come say, hey, Chris, are you saved? Right? Because I grew up Catholic. I don't know what that meant anyway. So uh, uh, nothing against Catholics, it's just it wasn't in our vocabulary. I mean, it's a vocabulary kills more people. It's just crazy, right? So, so anyway, so, uh, but he, by his example, and by him putting me in a position to come to church and hear the message over and over, even a dense guy like me got it, right? And so, so here's, here's how I explain it. Uh, everybody heard of an ocean liner? Back, remember back in the day? I think they still have ocean liners. Ocean liner was coming across the ocean, and the captain's up in the, uh, in the, in the bridge, and he calls all his cabin boys up. He says, come here, come here, come here, come here. He says, listen, there's a fire in the engine room. We need to go let everybody know. He said, go knock on every door in your section and deliver this message. There's a fire in the engine room. Make your way to the lifeboat. Go deliver the message. So the, so the cabin boys just were frantically banging on doors, right? Some people come to the door and they say, listen, son, I'm in first class. It ain't going to affect me. You know, go, go away, right? But some people, they'd go knock on the door and the person would come to the door and they'd say, we just sat down for dinner. Timing's not right in our life. You know, if it gets any worse, come back and see us, you know. But now's not a good time. Move on. Other people, they knock on the door and they say, there's a fire in the engine room, make your way to the lifeboat. And the person would say, where have you been all my life? I can't believe you cared enough about me to come tell me this. How do I make my way to the lifeboat? If we stop and think about that, the captain's charge to the cabin boys was not go get everybody in the lifeboat, was it? What was, what was his charge to them? We're going to write it down right here. It was deliver the message. Right? 
They're going to go knock on doors. They don't know what kind of response they're going to get from the message. But it didn't matter because their job was simply to deliver the message. That's our job. Deliver the message in the way we live our lives, in the way we talk to people, in our countenance, how we work with people. It's just deliver the message. You're going to get different responses. Some people are going to look at you and they're going to say, where have you been all my life? I can't believe you cared enough about me. Right? And so, so down here under this formula, okay, it says SW cubed equals SW. I work with all these business people all the time and they, I ask them if they know what that formula means and they all try and figure it out. You can't figure it out. It stands for, the first SW here is some will. Some will say, where have you been all my life? I can't believe you cared enough to come see me. The second line down says, some won't. Some won't hear the message. They're too cool for school. Timing ain't right. Move along. Right? They're just not ready to hear the message. Doesn't mean you can't come tell them again sometime. Right? It's just timing's not right. They're not ready. That'll kill a lot of people. Somebody will say, timing's not right or whatever, and they'll, they'll say no. And people will hear that, and they, it messes them up in their head, and they won't go tell anybody else. It doesn't matter. Some will. Some won't. So what? Some will. Some won't. So what? Some will. Some will. Some won't. So what? Some will. Say, say it with me. Some will, some won't, so what? Some will. Isn't that awesome? Some will. And I can't tell you, I, you know, I sit around all the time and I try and figure out how exactly to explain this. And, you know, words, words escape me, you know, when I try and figure out how important it was that this guy, you know, came over and delivered the message to me at a time when I really needed to hear the message. And changed my life. But that just, so, so, so let, let me see if I can't, come here, come here, come here, come here. Let me see if I can't illustrate this to you. When someone will, and you make a difference in their life, this is what it's going to look like. Love you, buddy. Grab your outline. Let's finish up with this. The two-minute game, he helped you identify some of your oikos. On the right side, it says, my oikos. You can list your folks there. Make a list. If you don't make a list, you won't remember. Here's my list from years ago, and I keep updating it. I keep it in my Bible because I pray for these people every day. Some are neighbors. Some are friends. You got to make a list, and then you got to pray. Pray for them every day. Pray, God, help me connect the dots. God, move in their life. Lord, do something. Do something in their life. Pray for them. Hey, you want to know how to become a better prayer? Ten quick ways, you ready? Ten quick ways to become a better prayer. You ready? Number one, pray. Number two, pray. Number three, pray. Number four, pray. Then three, look for ways to serve them. A plate of cookies, a lawnmower, a golf club, a basketball. God has wired you specially, and he supernaturally and strategically placed people into your world. 
What do you like to do? Use it for Jesus. Look for ways to serve them. Then invite them to church. But I wouldn't start there necessarily. I mean, if the Lord tells you to invite somebody tomorrow, great. But I think we need to build relationships with people. It took about 10 minutes with Teddy. It took almost 10 years with one of the Chris's. But invite them. And then lastly, prepare to clearly display God's character and defend your faith in Jesus. That's why, the, that's why in Scripture, Peter says this, in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have and do it with gentleness and respect. Hey, would you stand with me as we close? You've been wonderful this morning. Father, as we make our list and you send us to our oikos, you use us, Father. I look forward to what you're going to do. Bring many more to Jesus that need you in this world. Use us. We present ourselves before you. Look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, we all say, as you had your oikos, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, to be gracious unto you. And as you go, he'll give you his peace. Go get him.